A reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. A leper came to him, begging him, and kneeling, he said to him, If you choose, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. After Stanley warning him, he sent him away at once, saying to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the word, so that Jesus could no longer go into a town openly, but stayed out in the country, and people came to him from every quarter. This is the word of the Lord. You might notice we're never given the name of the man who approaches Jesus in this text. We're simply told of his condition. It was a condition that, to quote the original Greek, that's translated as leprosy here. It was the Greek word lepros. What is lepros, or rather, what was lepros back in the time of Jesus? Well, if you go back to the book of Leviticus and the original Hebrew word that is translated in the Greek translation of Leviticus into that word lepros, it refers to a scaly, scabby, or rough affliction. A variety of skin conditions are connected in the book of Leviticus with this state called lepros, swellings, ulcers, burns, ringworm, rashes, and baldness. Using the descriptions given in Leviticus, some medical historians have imagined some of the conditions as to what their names might be today that Leviticus refers to. They include eczema, psoriasis, impetigo, favus, and vitiligo. Over the centuries, of course, that Greek word leprous and its Latin translation lepra became associated with a specific disease called leprosy, a disease we tend to refer to today by the term Hansen's disease. Hansen was the 19th century Norwegian physician who identified the microorganism that causes leprosy. Hansen's disease, scientists tell us today, is not, in fact, highly contagious, though it was long thought to be so. Hansen's disease was likely just one of the various skin ailments that were referred to by this Greek word, lepros. But according to Leviticus, these skin conditions called lepros sometimes spread, sometimes did not. They sometimes remained with a person, sometimes they went away. And so Leviticus presents a certification process whereby someone with a visible skin disease could be examined by a priest. If the skin disease was deemed both serious and at risk of contagiousness, that person would be pronounced unclean. And this was really, really bad news. As Anna Grace, Lola, Lucy, and Sade reminded us, the sufferer was then required to wear torn clothing to have their hair disheveled and to shout out unclean, lest others contact the contagion. They were also required to live outside the community. The only way, according to Leviticus, to be welcomed back in to the community, once pronounced unclean by a priest, was to present an offering 
to a priest, usually involving birds, lambs, flowers, and oil. And you would have that priest examine you, and if and only if that priest was able to pronounce the disease gone and pronounce you clean, you would then go through an elaborate seven-day ritual that include washing and bathing and shaving. And at the end of that, you would finally be welcomed back into the community. It was a system surely developed to help protect the community from medical contagions, but it could easily be abused. Priests were given enormous power to determine a person's fate, and that power could be misused. The system could unfairly privilege the priests and unfairly disadvantage, in fact, literally leave out in the cold the sick, the poor, those already suffering. And those who were not, in fact, contagious but were only declared so by the priest would be shunned. Based on his actions in Mark's gospel, Jesus appears to be a critic of such a purity system if and when it leaves the sick, the poor, and the vulnerable out in the cold. A man who'd been pronounced leprous, given this description, we presume, by a priest, approaches Jesus, we read. And the man observed a posture of pleading, a posture you take when you are forced to rely on the compassion and intervention of another. He kneels, the scripture says, and begs. Here is how the sculptor Angela Johnson imagined that moment the leprous man knelt to make his plea. He says to Jesus, if you choose, you can make me clean. This statement assumed this Jesus had the power and authority of a priest where one word from him, clean or unclean, could change his fate. It's portrayed as a remarkable description of authority to Jesus, and he's likely making this plea the leprous man is because he had been rejected or shunned already by the priests. And Jesus, we read, responds. Our Lord's first response to this man's plea, we note in the passage, is an emotional one. But ancient transcripts of Mark's gospel have two different emotional responses. In some translations of today's text, Jesus' response is one of pity or compassion. But in other, in other ancient manuscripts, his response is one of anger. So which one is it? Historians note there's arguments for either manuscript. And perhaps there's value in looking at both emotions that could well have been evoked by this man coming to Jesus. On one hand, there's pity and compassion for this man's poor state being outcast and likely stricken with this skin disease. But on the other hand, there's anger that likely was evoked in Jesus. Anger at a purity system, a priestly system that left people like this man out in the cold, vulnerable, and alone. So perhaps moved by both compassion and anger, Jesus reaches out and touches the man. And the touch, the touch is a moment of high drama in this text. And when artists try to picture this text, when they try to put it there in art, they'll often hone in right on that moment where Jesus touches the man. Rembrandt made a sketch of the moment like this with the focus on Jesus' hand touching the bald man stricken, we believe, with some skin disease, perhaps leprosy. Notice the focus on his hand. Here's how an 11th century German illustrator imagined the moment. 
Jesus' hands again, and his hand touching the leper is so prominent, it's a center of the action. Here's how a contemporary artist, Anne Lukesh, imagined the moment. She also emphasizes the hands of Jesus touching the man, but don't you love how it goes even further than that in Anne's mind? She actually imagines it as a full embrace. You notice the man is possessing that skin disease and is covering his lip as directed in Leviticus, yet our Savior's hands touch him. Touch can be a powerful thing. You may have heard the story of a medical missionary named Dr. Paul Brand. It said that in his medical work with those suffering from Hansen's disease, he once touched a young man who suffered from it. And Brand said, my son, you're going to get better. The young man sobbed and sobbed. Brand said, no, you don't understand. You're going to get better. We've discovered some new medications for leprosy, and I found the right one for you. The young man sobbed all the more. The young man's sister finally said to Dr. Brand, he isn't sobbing because of what you told him, he's sobbing because ever since he got leprosy, nobody has touched him. It said Paul Brand was the first physician to fully appreciate that Hansen's disease did not cause the rotting way of tissues, but that it was rather the loss of the sensation of pain which made sufferers susceptible to injury. I know that some of you were among the 8,000 volunteers in L.A. County who participated in last week's homeless count, and perhaps you saw there the power of words and touch. Here's a photo from the Pasadena Star News of last week's event and of the conversations and connections that event can foster between volunteers carrying those clipboards and those actually suffering from homelessness. In your conversations, if you've been on the homeless count, you've probably noted many who suffer from homelessness face serious medical conditions as well that are untreated, and those two things are tied together, serious untreated medical conditions and poverty, poverty and untreated medical conditions. So one of the questions asked is, do you suffer from a medical condition? And it's brought new insight for how those two are tied, and it's also gives results that communities like ours and others can use in advocating for services that ensure the poor and sick are cared for effectively. Well, after that initial touch, Jesus then responds to this man with words to the leprous man's plea. The man had begged, if you choose, you can make me clean. I do choose, Jesus says, be made clean. And immediately we read the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. So what was the central change, the central shift that happens right there in that moment of healing? What was it that we're meant to see as being transformed that moment Jesus touched him with his hands and then with his words? Now, some argue the key change is that the man's skin disease departed from him. They argue the primary change was a medical one. 
that the man's corporeal condition shifted as a result of this encounter with Jesus. That is why, some argue, Jesus would then tell this man not to go tell the world, but rather go show himself to the priest and make the offering necessary. Because this man presumably had known a change in his physical condition, a healing of the actual disease that had stricken his body, he could now go to a priest. The priest would see that he had been, in fact, healed, and after going through the ritual, he would be pronounced clean by the priests as well and welcomed back into community. The primary healing, some would say, was physical. Not so, others argue. The key change is not of the man's skin disease, but of his social condition. This is a story of social healing, some say. The very term, leprous, did not primarily have medical import, some would argue, but social import. It was a condition that placed you outside the community, left you as an outcast, and was imparted in the end by one word and only one word from a priest, unclean. And that word, categorized you socially regardless of your actual verifiable medical condition. Leprosy referred not to the physical body, some argue, but the social body. And leprosy meant you were cast out of that social body. Jesus made the man clean immediately with his touch and his words by removing the social labor, labels, leper and unclean. His actual medical condition might not have changed at all, some argue. This is a story of social healing, where a community that had cast out a sick and vulnerable soul, that breach was healed. There's yet a third option. Maybe the key change we observe is what you might call a spiritual shift. Some argue the man's leprous condition spoke, in fact, to a spiritual state of God's people at this time. It spoke to a people who had known estrangement from God and the ravages of disease and of ultimately death. It spoke of a people who longed for deliverance from God, from the weight of sin and illness and evil that had so burdened them. And the shift in today's text, some argue, is that the Messiah, the Son of the living God, drew near to an ailing humanity and with His touch and His words pronouncing that sin and disease-stricken humanity was now clean by His word. God's presence, that life-giving, healing, purifying presence coming into proximity to a suffering human being, that is the key shift. Some argue it's a spiritual change. Seems to me that Jesus of Mark's gospel addresses all three kinds of illnesses really, and maybe we see all converge that moment Jesus touched him with his words and his hand. In Christ, God addressed physical diseases, curing individual ailments as Jesus did to Simon's mother-in-law, lifting her up and having her fever flow away from her. God addressed social diseases like a disease in which the sick, poor, and vulnerable are left destitute and cast out. And God addressed through Christ our yearning, our fundamental cry, our spiritual hunger like this beggar articulated for God to draw near for us to know blessed communion with our Creator. All three kinds of diseases Jesus affects with his touch and his words. He brings physical healing, social healing, spiritual healing, and they all converge. That moment Jesus touches a leprous man. That touch 
of Jesus, we read, has a huge impact. In this case, Jesus' touch of a leper meant that word about Jesus spread, especially since the leper did not follow Jesus' instructions to keep news of his healing quiet and show himself first to the priests. No, word spread fast, and no longer could Jesus walk about freely in town, but he heads out into the country where people go to him from all over, we read, surely making the same plea the leprous man had made, inviting Jesus to please make them clean too, to heal them. And so we, like those people from all the surrounding villages and areas who came out to Jesus in the countryside, so we too, like the leprous man, come to him crying out for our healing. We come today and every Sunday in worship on our knees, begging in confession, begging in prayer, begging in song to be healed. We come pleading for ourselves, for our world, for those we love. And you've known before, haven't you, what it's like to yearn and hunger for that healing, to cry out for it, to plead for it. Maybe it was a physical condition you prayed you would be freed from, or your social condition, or your spiritual condition, and it felt so dire that you fell on your knees pleading, crying out to the one you thought just might, just might have the power to change your circumstances, to touch you where you were. Have you come before God stricken, alone and helpless, and looked to that God you heard was somehow, some way present in Jesus Christ? Have you said to that God, if you will, if you will, you can make me clean. You can heal me. You can remove the physical disease that torments my body. You can take away the social disease that afflicts me and my church or me and my city or me and my nation. You can take away this spiritual disease that keeps me in sin and suffering separation from you. You can heal me with the word. Will you? Will you? Last Wednesday night, many of you know I was given a most unwelcome reminder of what it's like to cry out for that healing touch of Christ. The Wednesday before last, shortly after noon, while driving my car down South Altadena Drive between Colorado and Del Mar, I felt the muscles in my lower back suddenly tighten. Not good. I found myself still able to drive, so I made my way to the Knox parking lot, and from there, kind of hunched over, was able to walk into the office. Thought, all right, maybe this is temporary. Took some ibuprofen, felt okay sitting down, but I thought I'll play it safe. I had Jill come and she picked me up and drove me home. Later that night, however, as I made my way to bed, at the precise moment I moved from a sitting position on the bed to a lying position, friends, it was like the hounds of hell were unleashed and each one of them all together chose to take up residence in my lower back. I knew pain unlike I had ever known before. The muscles seized up with such force it made me scream in pain, much to the distress of my family and our greyhound dog. <laughs> I was rendered immobile for the next 36 hours, periodically suffering from these horrible spasms. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And what I noticed the most during that time was the stark vulnerability 
of my predicament. I was powerless to help myself, absolutely powerless, and left crying out for deliverance to God and to anyone else who would hear me. Well, did Christ answer my cry? I would say absolutely He did. The answer came not in an immediate and miraculous departure of the back pain. That would have been great. Maybe that'll come next time. It didn't happen. But I would still argue I was met by the healing of God in some significant ways. First of all, I knew a presence with me in my distress, and one who I found myself reflecting in my pain had gone through immense pain himself, my scriptures proclaim, for my benefit, out of love for me. I knew the care of Christ shown through His body, members of my family immediate and extended, my wife Jill especially, without whose touch I truly would have been helpless, and new care and concern from so many of you extended to me in your prayers and supportive words. And then I knew physical healing. Now, it was not the miraculous fleeing of the spasms, but rather that miraculous healing process that Dr. J. Kim referred to just two Sundays ago. As a surgeon, he spoke of witnessing the wonder of the human body and its healing capability. In my case, I got to know the marvelous, miraculous ability of our bodies to regenerate, to recover, to heal. Oh, I realize it's just a run-of-the-mill healing, but friends, to go from where I was a week ago last Wednesday to right now, that is nothing short of a change between night and day, a huge shift. And if that's the only miracle I get, I'll take it. I'll take it and count myself lucky. It would also allow me the chance to return to my social roles. I remember the joy of finally being able to do dishes again for my family. I don't usually like doing dishes, but man, I did then. And I could return to the role in community with all of you and neighbors and family, appreciating anew all those connections that were gifts to me. Now, had I not known physical healing, had my muscles not recovered, would my faith have fled? I hope not. I certainly hope not. I hope that had I simply been visited with the presence and love of God and the care of others and not with any physical healing, I would have been grateful. I hope and pray for Christ's touch all the same. But I'm grateful to have caught to just a glimpse in my body of the healing that will one day, we believe, by the power of God unleashed in Christ, by the power that healed a leper, by the power that first gave us life when life was breathed into humanity, that that power will one day restore and renew all creation, including you and me in all of our brokenness. I love the quote from Belden Lane when he wrote, divine love is incessantly restless until it turns all woundedness into health, all deformity into beauty, all embarrassment into laughter. Christ's call to his disciples, of course, is once we have known healing, to go and show healing. 
He calls his disciples, those who had seen him heal a leper and had certainly known that life-giving, loving, healing presence up close to go and be his healing hand, share his healing words to the world. And so we do. We show Christ's touch when we address physical diseases with prayer, with kind words, with medicine, with compassionate, skillful, healing hands. We show Christ's touch when we address social diseases like the dehumanization and alienation of the sick, the poor, the immigrant, the homeless, the AIDS sufferer. We show Christ's touch when we address spiritual diseases like sin and estrangement from God and proclaim a Savior who brings forgiveness and God's loving presence to us wherever we are and in whatever state we're in. So may Christ's touch be known by you, friends, known in your place of deepest need. May his touch be known by you, and may it too be shown by you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, amen.